Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. I am one of your co-hosts, Rob Clark, and with us as always, Mr. Ed Katz. Ed, how are you today? Thank you for asking. I am wonderful and I'm really, really excited about this topic. It's one of my favorites. I feel like you and I haven't spoke for so long. I mean, it just seems like it's been a really long time since we've hooked up and done one of these. I know. It seems like ages to me, too. Well, let's jump into this topic. It's one that you say you're excited about, and you're, you can't wait to, to dive in and, and kind of have this conversation. So the title for this uh, episode is Validate Your Communications. So when people right. hear this title, Ed... Um, you know, they're, they're going to wonder what you mean by that. So in your many years in the moving industry, what would you say is the most important thing you learned about communication? Well, again, that terrible school of hard knocks. I'm trying to prevent our listeners from going through <laughs> the same terrible school that I graduated from. But, you know, we're in an industry that's male, M-A-L-E, dominated right? Most of our operations employees are guys. And what I learned a long, long time ago is never ask a guy, do you understand? It's like, it's, it's a waste of oxygen. I mean, we're guys, of course we understand. I mean, we, we say yes, even before you finish asking the question. And I got to give you an example. I've told this story many, many times to prove my point. But it's worth telling again to our listeners because it's so true. And maybe they can, some of them anyhow, can relate to what happened to me and taught me then. Never, ever ask a guy, do you understand? Do you get it? Because they're going to say yes. Uh, Okay, I was going to ask you, is there a common answer? I figured there was. Yeah, they always say yes. Sure. They always say yes, because we're guys. You know, what do you think? We're macho. We're not going to say no and ask you to explain something to us. That's why we're guys. Yeah. So here we have, it's a move on a Friday. And again, I'm going to talk about the company I've talked about so many times, the Hellfire Hellfire Missile Division of Rockwell International. And they're about 50 minutes north of Atlanta, north of our base. And so we have a large move for them going from one building to another. It's a van rotation, a shuttle around Robin on a Friday. And we are dispatching about, I don't know, 20 guys and five trucks. And I ask all the drivers, do you know how to get the Rockwell? And one of our drivers is Lucius. I'm not going to give you his last name, but Lucius, we love Lucius. But anyhow, Lucius has been with us nine years. We probably go to Rockwell, if not once a week, at least once every two weeks, forever. I mean, they're just a great customer. They're always moving, and we're always going up there. And this particular day, Lucius is driving one of the five trucks. And we ask all the drivers, does everyone here know how to get to Rockwell? And they all say, yes. Now, remember, I said a few minutes ago, never ask a guy, do you know something? Because the answer is going to be Yes. So unbeknownst to me, the five trucks form what they call a caravan. In other words, each truck is following the truck in front of him. And the first truck is where the supervisor is. And so they're following them in their caravan of trucks. 
and they're about a mile from our office and they come to a traffic light and four of the five trucks make it through the green light. But when the fifth truck gets there, it turns from yellow to red and the fifth truck is being driven by Lucius, by the way, who is by himself for whatever reason, he has nobody with him. They had enough other vehicles to handle the entire crew. So the other four trucks turn right to get onto 75 South, if you're at all familiar with Atlanta. And they go down 75 South for a quarter of a mile, and then they get onto 85 North. And that takes them for about, believe it or not, 30 miles up to Duluth, Georgia, a, a suburb of Atlanta. And it's about an hour from our base, and that's the headquarters of Rockwell. So finally, the light turns green. Now, remember, all of the crew except for Lucius, all of the trucks except for the one Lucius is driving, make it through the green light, and they're in a caravan going up 85 to Rockwell. No big deal. It, that's just the way it happened. Lucius makes his right turn finally onto 75 South. And he goes for a quarter of a mile. And instead of getting onto 85 North, Lucius stays on 75 South. And about 20 minutes later, he gets onto our beltway, which is called Interstate 285, I-285. It's a 60-mile loop circle that goes all the way around the perimeter of metropolitan Atlanta. Now, this is way before cell phones. We had pagers that had beepers, beepers, we called them pagers. And you could, if you had an emergency, you would punch in 911. That means wherever you are, don't call on a cell phone. There were no cell phones. They had to stop, go to a pay phone, hope it wasn't vandalized, put 25 cents into it and call the office, 911. Got that? So meanwhile, the four trucks and the other employees get to Rockwell. It's about now 9.20, 9.30 in the morning. And they're waiting and they're waiting. And the fifth truck doesn't arrive. <laughs> so our supervisor calls the office in a panic. And he says, Mr. Katz, we have the whole crew here except Lucius. We got four out of our five trucks that are here. And all the equipment, Mr. Katz, is on the truck that Lucius is driving. We have 204 wheel dollies on the truck. This MIA that's missing, that's not here. Ooh. So in the meantime, <laughs> we are paging Lucius 911-911. He's a guy, he, he knows he's lost, but he knows sooner or later he's gonna find the way. Why stop and get directions, right? He's a guy. He'll find his way. So he goes all the way around, halfway around the beltway till finally he finds 85 North. This is like 40 minutes later. And then he proceeds up 85 North to Duluth. He gets there about 11, 15 in the morning. Do you know how stupid we looked to Rockwell? Here we are with, you know, four trucks and most of the crew standing around with their hands in her pocket off the clock for Rockwell. But guess who ate that cost? You did. We did. Darn yeah. right we did. That wasn't their fault. And that's when I really learned, stupid Ed Katz, why did I ask them, do you know how to get there? So after that, I learned to validate the communication. But before that, I didn't know any better. So, But, but by that? validate the communication, 
are, are you saying they have to confirm the communication? Well, what I could have, would have, should have done was validate the communication. In other words, get that employee to paraphrase back to you what you just told them. And let me give it again. Let's talk about Rockwell. Instead of asking all the drivers, do you know how to get to Rockwell? Let's say I take Lucius. Lucius, instead of asking Lucius, how do, do you know how to get to Rockwell? And he's going to say, yes, I should have, could have, would have validated the communication. And I should have said, good. Now you tell me, Lucius, how are you going to get to Rockwell? And in a New York second, I would have realized that Lucius is going to get lost if he navigates by himself. And you can't always stay in a caravan because of traffic and traffic lights and whatever. So had I known in advance that Lucius did not know how to get to Rockwell, even though he had only been there about 50 times, um, I could have put one or two helpers with him who could have told me, this is how you get to Rockwell. You take 75 South, 85 North until you get off at the satellite exit in Duluth. But I didn't ask the question the right way. Does that make sense to you? It makes perfect sense. Now, it also makes me ask, this kind of procedure we're talking about right now, does this relate to the IOMI training when you're dispatching crews? It sure does. And this is unique to IOMI because I have met so many operations managers who have told me face-to-face, Mr. Katz, we're not going to babysit grown men. Did you ever hear a guy ever say that? I'm not going to babysit a grown man. I'm not gonna, we're not going to babysit grown men. If he can't do the job, I'm going to find someone who can. It's a very common thing, yeah. Yeah. Well, in my <laughs> humble opinion, that person is not a manager. because, Agree. I mean, he's, he's responsible to make sure they do what they're supposed to do. Personally responsible for the performance and the training. I mean, the performance and the behavior of the people they manage or supervise. So, again, we realize that every move is unique. You know, some moving, some of the jobs were moving the plants. Some of the jobs were not moving the plants. Some of the moves were moving the paintings. Some of the moves were not moving the plant, the paintings. Uh, some of the moves were moving the copier, but if it's a leased, if it's leased, then the copier company is going to move the, the, uh, the copier. And let's say that the, moving crew was supposed to move everything except the chairs because they're getting new chairs. So you're going to move everything except the chairs. Are you going to move everything except the reception room furniture because the customer's getting new reception room furniture and the number of men and the time the job's going to take and the number of trucks all are based on a very specific scope of services and volume, right? So we realized after my terrible experience with Lucius you know, what they normally do in our industry, we know this, they give the supervisor the paperwork. Have you ever heard of that expression before? Oh, sure. And say, here, read this. Do you have any questions? Did you ever hear that conversation before? I have. <laughs> and it's, it's a waste of oxygen because the guys normally, I don't care who they are, they don't read the paperwork. They know if they get to the job and there's a label on it, what do you think they're going to do? If they get to the job and there's a label on it, they're going to move it. 
That's right. Regardless of what the scope of services is. That's right. right. So we found that was not working because, you know, they, they weren't reading the scope of services. They weren't paying attention and they got to the job. And if there was a label on it, let's say the new chairs, there were 50 new chairs they ordered from Steelcase and they didn't come in. Do you think that the average customer is going to call the office and say, hey, you might want to adjust your estimate you gave us. Uh, we were supposed to have our new chairs delivered to the new office, the new location, but Steelcase dropped the ball and didn't deliver them. So now we're going to have to add 50 chairs to the job. You might want to tweak your estimate or your adjust your manpower or do something because we're going to add you know, 10 or 15 or 20% volume to the job. Do you think the average customer calls your base and says, and volunteers that information? Never. No. So maybe the customer says, I know what I'm going to do. These stupid movers. That's probably what goes through their mind. I'm just going to put a label on each of these 50 chairs and watch this. They're going to move them and move them for free. Watch this. And so they do that. The crew never did familiarize itself with the scope of services because they said he'll read the paperwork which they didn't do they get there they move the chairs the bill is now 20 percent more expensive or higher than the original estimate the customer doesn't pay the bill somebody from the office calls the customer and says hey um we invoiced you for this amount of money and you haven't paid the bill it's now two or three months uh is there a problem and they say, yeah, we want to pay the bill, but it's 20% over the estimate. And we want you to adjust the price um, so we can pay your bill. So um, there's like, well, the person calling doesn't know why it costs more. So he says, well, let me check with the crew and I'll call you back. So they check with the crew. Let me tell you something. That crew, those supervisors, they can't tell you where they ate lunch yesterday. <laughs> you think they can remember back two or three months ago? No. As to what happened on the job where it took longer? No, they never read the scope of services in the first place. They saw a label on everything that they saw and they moved it. They don't know anything. So you see why the whole system is set up to fail. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what I thought you were going to say, Ed, was the, uh, the supervisor was getting mad at the salesperson because, you know, he said it would fit all on three trucks. He didn't do his job right. And here we are. And, da -da -da, and I got a problem. And but you didn't go that, that too. Right. Yeah. That too. I mean, that that's happened too when it's load and go, load and deliver. And of course the destination is an hour away from the origin and there's just enough room for everything that was supposed to go in the first place. And now they added the rece reception room furniture or they added the chair, whatever, all these things cause problems. So we got smart. We thought we got smart. So every morning when we dispatched, we didn't say here, here's your paperwork. Read it and tell, tell us, or ask us if you have any questions. We had our dispatcher read the scope of services to each supervisor before, you know, at dispatch time. What do you think of that? I think it's great. Guess what? It didn't improve anything. Unbeknownst to us, while we were reading the scope of services, which was a Xerox copy of the narrative, of the scope of services that the salesperson gave to the customer. The minds, the, you know, the, the mind of the supervisor at the time was probably like, gee, 
we're going to Crown Point Plaza. That's hard to get a truck in there. I wonder if we're going to be able to get the truck in there or are they going to have the loading dock blocked? Or, boy, if we go to to this particular building at Perimeter Center, where are we going to go to lunch? It's hard to park our trucks anywhere near there. That The McDonald's parking lot near there is uh, steep and we can't pour trucks with our long wheelbase into McDonald's. We're going to probably have to go to Wendy's. But I don't like Wendy's when we go to lunch. These are the things going through their minds. So even though we have somebody reading the scope of services to the supervisors, it's not a whole lot better than having you say to them, here, here's your paperwork, read it, let me know if you have any questions. Because at the end of the day, after we read the scope of services, which was a Xerox copy of the narrative that we gave in the estimate, to the supervisors, what do you think we asked? Do you have any questions? And it was always, nope, nope, we got it, yep. And again, they didn't follow the scope of services, and the same problems happened. So, so if you're saying, Ed, that you, you read it to them, and that didn't work, and if you asked them if they understood it, and they said yes, but that didn't work, and then if you asked them to, to read it, to the, or if you read it to them, and that didn't work, what works? Well, that's when we really changed the definition of validating the communication, and here's what we did. Not only did we read the scope of services to the supervisor, but we said, now you, in your own words, tell me what I just told you. We were shocked. We were shocked at the responses we didn't get. It's like, huh? What? Remember the deer staring in the headlights when I did our last podcast last week about I don't know. What do you think? They like were like deer staring in the hair, headlights that we should ask them yeah. you know, for a solution. Well, this was 10 times worse because <laughs> we found out they were never paying attention. They knew darn well if there was a label on it, they were going to move it. That's all they cared about. And so when we changed gears on them and we said, now you in your own words, tell us what we just told you. Initially, they were shocked, but we set this new policy in stone, in concrete. No matter how late we were running, we always validated the communication be at dispatch time. So we would read the scope of services to the supervisor on a one-on-one basis. And if there's like two supervisors on the job, we'd be reading it to both of them at the same time. And then we would have both of them in their own words, paraphrase back what we said for, let me just give an example. Okay. So we're moving all the furniture, but we're not moving the paintings and we're not moving the lamps and we're not moving the plants, but we're moving everything else. Now you tell me in your own words what I just told you. So they said, Mr. Cass, uh, we're not moving the plants. Uh, so they couldn't remember what we had just read to them. So I said, okay, I'm gonna read it to you again. We're gonna move all the furniture, but we're not moving the paintings. We're not moving the plants and we're not moving the lamps. Now you tell me what I just told you. Only after they could repeat in their own words what we just told them did we say, okay, now we're ready to dispatch. They got it. And we learned little other little things too to validate communications. Before we dispatched, not only did we have them paraphrase back the scope of services, but we had, after they learned what the job was all about, we didn't send the drivers out. We sent the supervisor out. There might be one, two, three, four, five trucks on a job. The supervisor only would go out, roll up the rear doors of each of the trucks on his job and make sure that the 
rolling stock, the dollies, the speed packs, the matadors, whatever, match the needs of the job. Have you ever worked at a moving company, Rob, where you get a call from the office and they roll up the rear doors of the truck? They're an hour away from base and the truck is full of library carts, but you're not moving a library, but you got a truck of library carts that you don't need and taking up all that floor space. I haven't had that, but I've had the truck be empty. (laughs) <laughs> like where's when our you equipment? needed equipment yeah <laughs> yeah and you wonder how could that possibly happen i don't know how that happens but how you like this by validating not just the communication with the scope of services but now once the supervisor knows what the job is out all about not his drivers but only the supervisor goes up goes out rolls up the rear door of all the trucks on his job and makes sure based on what he now knows about the scope of services that the the equipment that's loaded on the trucks for the job matches the need of the job. And thirdly, last but not least, the supervisor validates that he's got his tool bag with him with all the tools he needs for this job. We might need square headed screwdrivers to take apart, remove the legs from a large conference room table, and it might be Canadian bolts and they have to have different size square headed screwdrivers. You're not gonna use an Allen wrench or a Phillips head or a flathead in the receptacle of a bolt that's made for square-headed screwdrivers. So this was our dispatch process when I had Peachtree Movers, and we adopted and implemented implemented that in IOMI, and it really worked. We stopped having these disasters, these crises, these bombs go off where, you know, we're an hour, hour from base and we needed to move a library and there are no library carts on the truck, or your example, you know, of other equipment this really really works so this is called what i call validating the communication if you're late you're going to be late anyhow so what's another five or ten minutes isn't it worth it so that you are not reacting to a crisis you can prevent a problem from happening in the first place by validating the communication making sure the crew knows what they're supposed to do at dispatch time because if they don't know it when they're in the warehouse believe me when i tell you this when they get to the job and they have to worry about where they're going to park. You know, there might be a pickup truck that's locked, blocking the receiving area. And you can't get your truck into the space. You're not going to stop and start reading the scope of services there. You have to find the customer, get your paperwork signed. You might have two or three guys saying, hey, what time's this job end? I got to be home early. I got to be off work by four. Or I don't want to work in the elevator today. I want to work upstairs. All these distractions are going on. If you think for one moment, when the supervisor gets out to the job site, he's going to take and pull a plug and stop all the activity and all the distractions so he can read the scope of services. It's just not going to happen. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. But it does make me ask a question, Ed. This is such a great uh, way to validate communication. Is it only used in dispatching when we when we're playing with a, a moving company? Did you only use it? there or did it funnel down to the supervisor had some responsibility to validate communication to other members of his team how did how did this play you're going to get a gold star for graduating from Miami. how many times have you taken our in-person seminar five times five times and you still want to be my friend you still want to talk to me <laughs> you need nickels so a supervisor's running the job 
and he told an employee to, let's say, work out on the ramp, and that employee is instead dawing of furniture. So he says to the employee, uh, I need to ask you a question. And that's how he says it. He doesn't raise his voice, <clears throat> doesn't yell, he doesn't scream, he doesn't curse, and he walks away. So now he's away from the audience, from the other movers, and from the, the customer too. The first thing the supervisor does is he validates the communication and he says, where did I tell you to work? And he expects the, the, uh, the mover helper to say, you know, you told me to dolly up furniture. But no, in this particular example, the mover says, well, you did tell me to work on the ramp. But so-and-so, who's also a supervisor, came up to me and told me, don't work on the ramp, instead dolly up furniture. So instead of reprimanding somebody, did you ever in your life reprimand somebody and you reprimanded them for the wrong reason or you should not have reprimanded them in the first place and you make a fool out of yourself? Sure, I think This eliminates that. that risk of making yeah. a fool out of oneself because you validate the communication. The supervisor, once he calls that employee away from the audience, away from the other employees, he validates the communication. What did I tell you to do? Well, yeah, but uh, Bart told me to not work on the ramp and instead help him out upstairs. Uh, and then I was supposed to go back down to the ramp later, as opposed to having the supervisor reprimand that employee and then find out that another supervisor told him to do what he was doing. Doesn't that make a lot of sense? It does. Absolutely. Well, now you know everything I know about validating communications. I hope our I listeners... Don't, I don't think we know everything. Yeah. What, I hope our listeners start giving us more topics that we can talk about. Or I'll have to start talking about yard work or I don't know what else. <laughs> well, I was going to say we don't know everything yet. We, we just kind of dangle the carrots. There's, there's more to chew on. They just need to go to... I don't know. What's that thing called that they can get some kind of training or... Oh, thank you, Rob. Two gold stars. If I could put a gold star on your forehead, I would. It's the International Office Moving Institute, IOMI, I-O-M-I, and I can be found at, and it can be found at www.thewordoffice, O-F-F-I-C-E, the word moves, plural, M-O-V-E-S.com, and you can, you can find all of our podcasts there. You can find out a lot about IOMI. You can it's pretty interesting. You can it's like find out, magazine. Find out about the online course. Yeah, the online training we offer. Absolutely. Thank you, Rob. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. Well, great episode, Ed. That was a really good one. I think that's a very, very important one because, you know, operationally, when we talk about moving companies, when hiccups like that happen because we didn't val validate the communication, like you said earlier, it doesn't cost the customer more money. It, it costs us as an organization money. So great topic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rob, and thank you, listeners. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. And until our next episode, go sell another move.